Hey guys, welcome to the Next Level Agents Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Kaufman, and along with my business partner and co-host, Fred Weaver, we bring to you our podcast all about getting to the next level. Sometimes we talk to real estate agents, sometimes brokers, sometimes people just in and around our space, and sometimes just entrepreneurs in general. But our point here is to talk to the brightest and the best and to pull gold nuggets out of them and bring them to you so that way you can take little actionable pieces of advice, sometimes big actionable pieces of advice and make your business even better and help you get to the next level. Do me a favor, if you haven't already, go over to ratethispodcast.com, ratethispodcast.com forward slash NLA, stands for Next Level Agents, and please leave us a five-star review if you have not already. All right, without further ado, welcome to today's episode. All right, guys, we're back on the Next Level Agents podcast, and today I'm joined by my friend and Fred's BFF, it's an inside joke there, <laughs> Via Williams. Uh, Via is the head of industry at Place, as well as a real estate agent, and more importantly, a longtime friend of mine, and Fred's for that matter. And so, um, Via, welcome to the show. Thank you. I am so honored to be on this because I listen. I'm a listener. Do you um, know that? Yes, I do. Well, I know that because you've told me about the the episode with Katie. So that's mm -hmm. how I know. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. awesome. I um well, I'm excited to do this because as you know, most of my conversations on the podcast are actually just that conversations with friends uh about whatever happens to be going on. And you and I were at a mastermind last week and started having a conversation. I was like, "Dang, we should we should have recorded this." Um in fact, let's do that. So here we are a week later, uh, and we're going to, we're going to record that. And before we jump into that subject matter, which, which I want to talk about with you, um, do me a favor, give the, give the audience like your, who's via Williams, like elevator speech and kind of what, what exactly is the head of industry at place and anything else that you want to add into that? Well, yeah. Well, thank you so much for, again, for having me. And it's interesting asking me to do a bio. I just literally wrote um, a Facebook post and a LinkedIn post because it's my five-year anniversary today working with Ben Kinney. So it's kind of kind of timely, right, that you would ask me that. But um, I am a second-generation realtor, first and foremost. I mean, that's um, my dad uh, started a real estate company way back in the day. And then like a lot of us, I, I got into uh, regular real estate in the early 2000s. And when I, I kind of started learning, you could have a team like, wow, you can you can sell real estate with a team. I, uh, I did that in uh, 2013 and started a team and then uh, eventually came to work for Ben in 2018, running um, all of his real estate brokerages. So at the time we had six franchises and then eventually grew that to from I think 1300 agents and six offices to you know almost 1800 agents in eight uh, wow. offices it was it was pretty pretty cool and uh, it was great it was great experience and um, hard and fun and all the things and then um, I just started talking with Ben uh, and Chris Suarez uh, his co-founder at place and said I really really I want to work with teams, you know, I brokerages is great, but I, I really think teams are the future of real estate and uh, created this, this job for myself. Like I, I, you know, we work many months on it and I, you know, pitch decks and all. <laughs> so I think that asking what head of industry is a super valid. Cause it was like literally made for me, <laughs> but 
It's um, it's kind of a combination of a few things. I I uh, I definitely work to bring in influencers and then work with influencers at place. We're starting to move into that more because you're part of it, and then um, you know, evangelize about place and and spread the word. Um, uh, lead all of our event growth marketing and event growth um uh, sales. Right, so you know, partnerships, sponsorships, uh, what that looks like, uh, staffing, uh, game plan and all that. And, um, kind of a utility player. So they kind of pull me in in different special projects. Awesome. You're like the free safety of the, yeah, of the I team. know. I love it. <laughs> kind of. Uh, well, so that's a lot of experience and you kind of even glossed over like the real estate side, like actually owning a team, running a team and yeah. all those ups and downs. And, and that's really not what we're here to talk about today. I think there's I think you and I would both agree there's so much of that content and stuff out there. Um, what I loved, like, especially about our conversations was the fact of to be able to do the things that you've done and sort of um, go from this role to that role and kind of evolve. And as you said, literally like custom make stuff for for a company that's got, you know, that's growing like at an insane speed. Like my, my perception is like, you have to continue to be growing at an insane speed too, as a person, uh, and as a business person. And so, you know, a lot of our conversations often talk about, you know, get led to that. I don't know the last time you and I ever had a conversation about production, but I would guess it was a decade ago, at least. I don't even know. Um, we started talking about this book that you read that had a really big impact on you. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, just the concept of it alone, like really, really stuck out to me. It was, it was familiar to me. I read a a similar book, but, but different. Um, and so let's, let's jump into that. The book that I'm, that I'm referring to is called the big leap. And, um, you started like talking to me and I was like, man, this is, this is like a lesson right now we should be recording. So tell me a little bit first about this book and then maybe like what it is, like, what's it done for you? Yeah, it's um it's a really interesting story. I I was uh I think sometimes we we you know we need coaches in our life or friends, you know, that act as coaches because we're so in our own heads, we just don't see it, right? We don't see what's happening. So I was um there's this thing that I had always wanted and it it's I I've always wanted to live on on the water. That's what it is. And um uh it you know, it has been unattainable. I live in Seattle, Washington and it's uh it's a frighteningly expensive market. Pricey. It's very pricey. So a few years ago, um, uh, my husband and I started looking a couple hours outside of Seattle, um, thinking, well, you know what? We, we can probably live on the water as a second home, like a couple hours out of Seattle. But um, that felt like a pipe dream, right? So we looked for a year. A year we looked in um, Bellingham, Washington, where our corporate headquarters are, thinking, well, that's great. Like we can you know, have this home. And every time I work up in Bellingham, stay there. And, uh, and we bought one and it was really, honestly, it was probably a lifelong, I think I've wanted to live on a lake since I was a kid. It was probably a lifelong dream come true. And I only share that because I I was talking to one of my coaches and we're like 10 minutes into a conversation. This was like last May, 2022. And she, and I go, Oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you, we, we bought that house. And she said, what, what do you mean you bought that house? And I'm like, you know, the, the house that we've been talking about, like on the lake, you know, we, we got it. She was like, the the house you've been talking about and kind of dreaming about your whole life, you, you bought that house. And it's 10 minutes into our coaching conversation. And you're just now telling me 
And I was like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I forgot. She's like, how do you feel? And I'm like, ah, you know, we need to get closed. We need to focus on that. And she's like, I mean, are you like, do you, is it not going to close? And I was like, no, I, I think it's going to close. Like the down payment's wired. Like it's, we should be good. Right. She's like, are you okay? Like, why, why aren't you, why didn't you call me or t- like, wh- how is this happening this way that I'm finding out about it this way? I was like, yeah, I'm fine. It's good. It's good. And she, she paused and and she looked at me with her steely blue eyes through the zoom. And she said, Via, have you ever heard of an upper limit problem? <laughs> and that's how I, that's how I learned about it. I was like, no, but I immediately know what you're talking about without knowing anything about it. Like the minute she asked me that question, I knew what it was. It, she, she didn't even have to give me the, the definition. It was weird, but um, and she kind of, you know, went on to describe it to me like this. And, and I, I kind of have always thought this is the best definition, even without reading the book. Cause at that time I hadn't read the book. Uh, she said, you know, you have a temperature gauge on all aspects of your life, right? Financial hopes, dreams, relationships, love, money, I already said financial, but you know, uh, uh, joyfulness, you name it, anything. And, and whatever you set that temperature at, uh, if you go above that temperature, certain things happen and make you ratchet it back down to that temperature. So I always picture for some reason, I picture the 70 degrees on a, on a, you remember those old thermostats that had comfort zone. It literally would say comfort zone. And let's just be clear. 70 degrees is the correct setting for, for your home. So let's, you know, Oh, oh, that's a whole nother. Okay. (laughs) I don't know why. I guess it must be because that's, that's the. That's the uh, that's the number I have in mind. But but do you remember back in the day, like the old apartment mm-hmm. ones, like they they would literally say comfort zone. It's so funny how much we talk about comfort zone. It never clued into me until this moment that that's what comfort zone really means. It's this that what what you do is you will ratchet it back to that that seventy degree mark or whatever the degree mark is. You know, a lot of people listening to this, uh, Kevin, you and me, that's probably eighty or eighty five degrees. Like it was probably pretty high, but the the point is, is that if you go above that, you will do certain things that that I'd love to talk about today to ratchet it down, and they are so subconscious you do not realize it. Now, on, the good news is with the uh, the upper limit problem that I have found is that you will also though ratchet it back up to get there. So the good news is, and and I think financial is kind of a a good example on that is like a lot of us in real estate, if we're really low and we're not hitting the mark, we will hustle like no one else, right? Like no one else's business. We will, we will make ourselves get up. We will figure out a way to get up to whatever that, that mark is. That's the good news with, with the, I think, with comfort zone and with upper limit problem is that we are calibrated right to a certain, a certain temperature gauge. But, but the bad news is, is we're probably very unaware that, that we have effectively um, uh, uh, chosen a limit on how much abundance and, and success and love that we can have in our life. And that's, that's the upper limit problem. And it, it comes from uh, Gay Hendricks and, and the book is the big leap. And it, it really changed my life. And, and I would say that out of any keynote I've done, like anything I've talked about, any talk I've done, I think I've probably gotten the most response uh, talking, you know, from people that I've taught the, the upper limit problem to over the last year, year and a half. That's amazing. It reminds me. Um, so I have a really, I've got a good friend who wrote a book called Average Sucks. And the way he first time he ever, I remember the first time he ever described it to me because people go, yeah, being average sucks. And he's like, no, 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 no. That's that's not what I'm saying. Everybody has an average. 
some people's averages are higher, some people are lower. And the way he explained it to me is like, and it's really what you just said. He's like, let's say you make a hundred grand a year. Like you're just the type of person that makes a hundred grand a year. Something happens, you have a bad start to the year, or maybe you can't even work. Like maybe you don't get to start working until May or June. Because of your average, you're actually still going to make a hundred grand that year. Like you will do what's necessary to make sure you get to a hundred by the end of the year. On the flip side, let's say you start off under the gates killing it and you're at like 75 grand by March. You're still going to make a hundred grand that year because that's your average. Uh, or in your case, like that's, that's the gauge, right? Where that thermostat is set. And it's, um, it's been so interesting. I remember for me too, like the once I sort of saw that concept or realized that it existed, you can, if you're willing to, and this is something I've struggled with, but still been interested in and try to do observe, uh, like myself and my own interactions and my own things. Like if you're willing to kind of step out and do that, then you can actually sort of see this up there. Like I've been, there's been times where I'm like, damn, I'm actually doing that right now. It's exactly the same concept. And it's funny you should say that because, you know, since I read the book and, you know, realized how much of a problem it was in my life, I, it's everywhere. Like, like the concept is everywhere. I mean, we've all been saying, get out of your comfort zone since we were how old. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, and, and it's funny how, I don't know, like when the student's ready, the teacher appears, like for whatever reason in that moment, you know, maybe it's the wording of it. Maybe it's who knows, who knows why. But it um, it vastly affected me because it it was so perva- it is so pervasive in my life and I don't want to speak for others but what I have found is it's pervasive in in everyone listening's life too like I I I have yet to find an exception. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I the, and I think it's hard for to imagine that. Um, let's take the, some of the most successful people. Well, okay, so before this will happen already by the time this airs, but you and I are going to see Sarah Blakely in a couple of weeks, Mm -hmm. right? Not even a couple of weeks. It's like eight or nine days from now. We're going to see Sarah Blakely, you know, self-made billionaire, founder of Spanx. And even at a billion dollars net worth, she has a, like, she's got a setting. Like she has a gate. Now, granted, it's a lot higher than mine, but it is still a setting. And if you pay close enough attention and she strikes me as the type of person who does, um, you can still see that and you can see where you're holding back, whether that maybe not on the financial side, but there's definitely, we all have areas of our life that we can improve and probably improve in all areas, no matter how, how, how high our setting is. A hundred percent. I'm so glad you brought that up because like there's different ways to recognize it. So some of the things that, you know, that'll probably resonate with some of you are um, let's talk about weight because that's a big one with me. I, you know, I've had a, a lifetime that's my, that's my sort of issue, right? I mean, it's not sort of drugs or alcohol. It's going to, it's weight for me. And so what, what I find interesting with weight is, and you know, every time I've lost a massive amount of weight, right? What, what's the first thing I do? I either go have like, you know, a fancy high calorie meal to celebrate the freaking weight loss, which is insane, right? Who does that? Like, it's such a dumb idea. Like you, you go on this elimination diet and you lose 70 pounds and then you go out and start gaining it as a celebration. Like, what is that? That is kind of hitting an upper limit problem. Like I, I cannot accept, like I have not mentally assumed that new identity and accepted it, you know, as, as a a healthy, you know, lower weight person. Right. So 
that comes out a lot. It comes out a lot in relationships. I, in the book, he talks a lot about, you know, someone's single, they really want to meet the, you know, person of their dreams. They finally meet him. Everything's going great. And they start picking fights and they start, you know, they cheat on him. They do something to sabotage this relationship that they, that they have wanted their whole life. Right. And what's also interesting about it is, you know, you pay off all your debt. And then the first thing you do is you go charge up a big purchase on your credit card because they're wiped out, right? But what he talks about, Kevin, too, that's interesting is that is the crossover where you tend to sabotage in different areas. So example would be, I go lose 70 pounds. I don't go have that big fancy meal. But then I go charge up a whole bunch of money on my credit card and I sabotage my life in another area. And, and it's so... Because it's so separate, my brain makes zero correlation. And here I am blowing up my life because I can't, I can't accept that I'm 70 pounds lighter. I'm this new identity, but it's over here. Like I'm blowing it up in my financial area or, or in my relationship and picking fights and I'm, you know, stepping out on a, on a significant other, whatever that is. And so it doesn't always happen as a correlation. Like, like it, it happens because your brain, you just can't, your, your mind cannot handle this new identity. So um, it's up to you, but if you want, we can kind of go through different, you know, different ways to, to spot it. And and what I have learned personally in the last, um, about the last year, it's only been about a year. Um, we can kind of go through what I've learned to, um, have massive, like, like to just stomp all over it. I, I, I have, I think that out of anything that I've, you know, had in personal growth, my life that, that conquering some upper limit problems has probably been the number one most important thing I've done. Well, I do want to talk about it. So it's funny. I'm only about 35, 40% of the way through that book right now. So like um, the thing that sticks out to me is like, you mentioned relationships, you get like, I think he called it, it's like the six month mark when, when we start to start to do that, uh, you know, unconsciously I hadn't, so I haven't gone to the part yet where he talks about like, maybe you nailed it in the weight, but you're going to sabotage it over here with like debt mm -hmm. or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I do want to hear you. Um, and here's the reason why. So I want to give the, I didn't tell you this last week on purpose. Cause I wanted to tell you today. Okay. Um, the reason why I want you to talk about it for whatever time it takes in the next half an hour, or if it takes five minutes, it takes whatever is because when I saw now I see you constantly, like we probably mm -hmm. see each other six to 10 times a year on average. Would you yeah. agree? That's and, about right. And we've known each other for probably 13 to 15 years, somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. um, so I see yeah. you a lot. And when I saw you last week, you seemed like a lighter person, like your spirit. Um, I could see it instantly. I was, and at first I was like, did Via do something to her hair or something? <laughs> like it, wow. and then I was like, she looks really good. Wow. And then I realized when you and me and Nicole were sitting out by the fire that night, I was like, nope, she's just, she's lighter. Like she's a, she's like, there's a, there's a layer, if you will, that's been removed. And it's for me, someone who knows you easy to see. Wow. Thank you. That, that is a, uh, that is really affirming to hear. Thank you for, thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. I feel like a different person. I mean, it, like anything, it's a constellation of things, right? You know, it's never, it's never one thing, but I don't know about you, Kevin. I, do you go through periods of more intense personal growth? I, I tend to go through kind of cluster periods of personal growth. And the last um, 12 months has been just a concentrated 
like um, personal growth period for me, like, like leaps and bounds. And, and I did it, I did it funny enough about five years ago was kind of the last time I had done that. And that's when I left my real estate team and went to work for Ben. It's just kind of funny timing that we're having, like that we're recording this on that five-year anniversary. And so that, thank you for saying that, that um, that's going to carry me for a while that, that someone noticed that, you know, I don't know. That's cool to hear. I I don't know how you couldn't notice. It was, it was that obvious to me. You know, it feels obvious to me because I am me. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, you know, so the weight problem too, I'll share this with you. Um, same thing. Like I was actually, and it wasn't ever an up and down thing for me. It was just up. Uh, and so when I was like 21 or 22, I was, you know, I was like 400 and something pounds. I don't actually know how much I weighed because the doctor scale only went to 400 and it's not like I was getting on the scale every day. Um, and then, so I lost like about 175, 180 pounds over the course of like the next two years. And I've kept basically 110 of it off at all times. Um, but it's so funny because Nobody ever noticed until I like, till I lost 50 and I'm literally mean it was 50 pounds on the mark when somebody said something and I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. not that I was like doing it for anybody else it's doing it for me, but it still was like, yeah, it, like I've noticed this. I've known this. Like it's, mm-hmm. of course I am. I'm literally like two shirt sizes smaller or whatever, two pants sizes smaller. And then all of a sudden somebody notices and then everybody notices. Uh, and so, uh, you know. I, I just share that because I think maybe the listener, if there's a listener out there that's been through something like that, they could probably relate to that. That was the first thing I thought of as you shared that. You're so right. It's funny you should say that because like is, you know, in a, a female stature, I, I would say the first like 30 pounds for me, I lost like a lot of weight a few times. That That's impressive, Kevin. Like that is a massive amount of weight. Like kudos to you. I, however you did it, it is hard. There's no easy way to do that. There, there's just not. I personally know that. But I'm at negative 60 now. So I was the, the most I'd lost, you know, kind of in one go was 70 and I'm at negative 60 now. So I'll, I'll, I'll pass that mark. And it's been like 30 or 35 before anyone notices, you know? And, um, and I think it's a perfect analogy because we're feeling it. We're feeling the momentum of any of you in any area of your life listening, like whether it's weight, whether it's who knows what it is, any element of internal uh, or physical, right, change. If you're during the during, if this is during the during and nobody's noticing yet, like keep going because it 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 is, you know, I call, I use the, the expression J-curve all the time because it kind of almost feels like it goes down before it goes up, but it will be exponential. If you keep your eye on the prize and you keep working on all of the things and it's hard work, whether it's it's weight, right, or or, or, or health or or this or financials or, you know, whatever it is, it's, uh, I think keeping going during that time is, uh, the hardest part of the journey. Yeah, it totally is just like keeping your foot on that, you know, metaphorical gas pedal, if you will, of like, mm-hmm. cause you are going in the right direction. Yeah. 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 For sure. So, okay. So before I, before I kind of interrupted you, we were talking about like, I think you were getting ready to say kind of how. All, all like I was going to say is like, there's a few ways. So I think that, you know, how do you know? Because like, that's, there's two questions I get. How do you know if you've hit an upper limit problem? Number one. And then number two, how do you get, how do you get through it? Right. So, uh, you know, uh, all I was going to say is, I mean, d- there's different things you can start to look for. 
knowing that you have this threshold, right? This, you know, whatever your temperature gauge is, doesn't it's all relative, you know. But but the the first the first way most people know they're hitting it, Kevin, is like there's some kind of a self-sabotage. And and what you're really trying to do internally, just so you can kind of understand it, is you're trying to get things back to normal. So you're you're kind of creating these needless obstacles and drama in your life to calibrate yourself back to that comfort zone, but you are not aware of it. Because, you know, a spoiler alert, like when you talk about the the number one way to get past an upper limit problem, like 90% of it is just awareness. Like if you have nothing else but awareness, that's, there you go, you can you can turn it off. No, don't turn it off. But that that's really what it is. This is about recognizing and being aware. And, you know, the last 10%, I have a couple other tips that I've used, but, you know, that's really what it is. So anytime you see yourself sabotaging, just take some white space time and, and, you know, some of the self, I know Kevin, you probably asked these two because these are pretty, but um, one of the best questions I ask myself is, all right, all right, what am I not admitting to myself right now? Like that is one of the best self-coaching questions I have ever used in my life. Like, all right, what am I not seeing? What am I choosing to ignore? What am I not admitting to myself right now? Right. And, you know, and so anytime you are, you are causing sabotage in your life, I urge you to pay attention to it. Here's the best example for real estate agents, the best example. And every single listener who has been in real estate is going to relate to this. And so are you. The best example is we go on an appointment. We have a great listing appointment and we have to get back to them with a CMA or, or they're a buyer and we have to set up a home search. Who knows what it is, right? And we don't do it. And a day goes by and two days goes by five days, Kevin, a week. Yeah. And by then yes. you're embarrassed. It's too late. You're like, what my one, you know how motivated and driven I am. What is wrong with me? I'm on top of these other leads. What is it? Two weeks goes by. Why is Why am I doing this? Like, And then why is it that we sabotage the one client? We should have turned around and have gotten back to them within an hour of that appointment and, and probably scrapped other appointments for that, right? That was our moment. Why is it that all of us can relate to that? Well, we're sabotaging. There's something going on. We are sabotaging ourselves. Now, I, you know, is it financial? Is it status driven? Is it, you know, who knows, like who knows what it is, but, but we, we have to start looking at, at our behavior. Right. And, and I think that's like, that's the biggest one for me, anybody in sales, even if you're not in real estate and you're in sales, anytime we're just not doing our follow-up, not tracking our pipeline, not pausing and taking that 30 or 60 minutes to, you know, check our CRM, update our CRM, check our list on our yellow pad and actually call people back or text people back. We are sabotaging ourselves. It's, it's the number one thing to look at. I think. It's uh, yeah, that I think that hit, hits home for every single person who's ever had a real mm -hmm. estate license mm -hmm. or mortgage license ever in the history of the world. Ever like, like literally ever. So, I mean, you know, again, why you're sabotaging, you know, it, maybe you're sabotaging your career. Maybe what you're doing is sabotaging other areas of your life. And I think that's also something to look at. So, you know, really um, starting journaling, uh, starting different things can get through that. But the other way, the other way to kind of be aware of it, that's very common is my story is you can't enjoy a massive success. You know, you, you're just kind of lackluster, like this thing that you've been wanting forever happens in your life. Eh. You know, man, I remember, um, 
I was uh, I was on uh, an escalator at a real estate event with um, with a, a very prominent real estate figure a couple of years ago, and they had just found out that they got a massive uh, uh, round of financing. And we're on the escalator, and I was like, "Holy moly! Like this is life changing! Like I, how do you feel right now?" And they're like, eh. "I was like, well, that that's kind of a weird reaction. Like, I mean, this is." Can you like that's an odd reaction to getting like millions and millions of dollars for this company, you know, kind of been really probably working your whole life on. And that that to me, that's kind of a sign of like when that kind of a thing happens and I'm coaching someone or I'm friends with somebody, um, I start to pay attention. And, you know, to me, that's probably a sign of an upper limit problem. It takes a while to get used to information, to see yourself in a certain way. I, I think that that lackluster response is a really big sign. You know, it's funny. I. I talked to that same person probably two or three minutes after you were in the, in the (laughs) um, elevator and it was about a totally unrelated topic. I had a question about something and they, so they're like, they just so nonchalantly mentioned it. And so I know the exact, like, in fact, I was told like, pretty sure you're the second or third person that actually does this. I was like, pretty sure I'd be freaking out right now if I was you. But, it's just like, it's like me with my coach in the house. Like there's something wrong. With yes. That yeah. <laughs> that's, you know what? That's exactly right. And I'm th- sitting here thinking, as you've given a few examples, I'm like, man, I see when I did that, like in this yeah. moment and in that moment, um, that is so good. I, I think uh, something else I want to point out for the listener. Um, and I've I never said this to you, but I have a feeling I know how you're going to respond or, or at least uh, feel about it is, you mentioned like the question I ask myself, I'm a big fan of like asking myself questions. And I think that like, for me, that's my awareness tool. I, I don't actually like journal I've tried several times. I can't get, I don't, I always freeze up, but if I sit and think about a question and like literally talk to myself about it, even like quietly, like it, it's helped me so much. Uh, and it's, and it has helped me to like overcome challenges or, or different levels on things by just being aware enough of what's going on in my life to ask myself a question about it. I'm so glad you brought that up. You know, one of the, um, I like to think with in mental frameworks and mental models and one of the best, like, like internal habits, like mind habits, mindset habits. I don't know what the term is that I've done. Kevin is like, I have learned to think in questions, not answers. In fact, I coach that way. So for any of you who I've coached that, that, that are, that's listening to me, the culmination of a coaching session with somebody is ending it with the right focusing question for them to go work on, not the answer. Yes. In fact, so I'm I- constantly unpeeling layers to get to the right question, not the right answer. It's so true that gosh, that is so true. In fact, right after we're done, I have a call with my coach and, um, she leaves me with questions every single, every single time we have a conversation, which is about every 10 to 15 days. And I've always, I always walk away. I've got my, got this notebook right here. It's the one hard cover or paper notebook I use, uh, to this day, uh, for one subject. And that's, that's for my conversations with her and, it's full of questions. This book is yeah. that, that notebook right there is full of questions. And it is, I think undoubtedly the way, or at least part of the way through. 
You're so right. And when I say journal, it's on my iPhone notes and it's every time something's troubling me. So it's not a consistent thing, but I have gotten into the habit of, you know, years and years of of journal, thumb typing journals on those notes, just working through problems with myself. So that that's really how I use it. But, you know, back to that question, if you can start training yourself and, and then also in coaching world, like when you're coaching others, if you can start training yourself to winnowing, like everything down to a focusing question, um, it is an enormously helpful hack in life. Cause then I just end up reverse engineering everything, right? Like, like yeah. once I put the pressure on, on the clarity of the question, then usually it's not like you can't, you have to spend time on the answer. I get that. But I mean, the most time is spent on the question. Like, is this the right question? Is this the right focusing question to get me focused? And, um, you know, I don't even have, I don't even know that is just like years of books and podcasts and all the things. Right. I mean, yeah. I don't have one source for that, but no doubt it's, um, it's, uh, it's definitely a combination of all of the, all, all of those books, all of those podcasts, all those speakers that you've heard, um, where you, you know, for me, I think of it as like, I take this little bit from here and I take this one from here and it just kind of adds up over time for yeah. sure. But, you know, other ways you can, you can know that you're hitting upper limit problems are, you know, you, and this, cause this one I think is, is you won't notice as much. Like, I think this one you do have to be aware of, like, if you find yourself kind of avoiding, like taking risks and preventing change to create stasis, right. To create stability. Um, anytime that I had a conversation with, with someone yesterday, one of our place partners reached out to me. And she goes, I have, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars in the bank. I have literally, I'm in communication with real estate agents, like two of them. I have houses identified. I have not been able to pull the trigger to buy my first investment property. And, and this has been going on for two years. Like I can't do it. I can't bring myself to do it. I've talked to people. I, I've talked with all these people, like help me make this, you know, help me. I need to take the leap. Right. And, um, and I was like, well, you know, and we just started, all we did the whole call, I was driving. So, I mean, is all I did was ask her questions, the whole call. I reversed, you know, I just everything, like how much money do you have? But what does your husband think about this? You know, da, da, da. and, uh, and by the end of it, I, I guarantee you that woman will, will be in contract within 30 days because no one took the time to kind of help her, help her understand what the real issue was. And here's, here's why I say that she doesn't even know she hit an upper limit problem, which, which that was a clear upper limit problem. She did not see herself as a real estate investor, but I'll tell her that next time we talk. Right. I mean, sometimes it's not appropriate to, you know, I can lead, we can help lead someone down a path without telling him that, but what she was doing is she was just completely not taking any risks at all because she was just, she could not she could not press that comfort zone. It's been two years for her, right? I mean, it's a long time. Uh, sometimes though, um, Kevin, I find people are the opposite and they can't slow down. It's like an undisciplined pursuit of more. And it's kind of like a grab, grab, grab. And it's no think, do, no think, do. And and so it, it can go both ways. And I think that, I think no matter what your behavior is, if it's any level of destructive because you're being too passive or too aggressive, right? Like you just have to, start training yourself, I think, to be an awareness of like, why am I behaving this way? And, you know, what is the, you know, bringing this out in me? And what could this be masking? And, you know, all the things I just think that, you know, you have to be super like you can, um, 
Another one is, is um, criticize and blame. We need to start deflecting and like blaming people and, you know, criticizing it all. There's so many signs. There's so many signs that, that we've hit it. You know, it's, know. Um, it's funny as I've gotten more into this journey with like with myself as well. I, uh, <clears throat> it would have been easy for you. Let me go back to the, to the example of the, of the person you talked to yesterday. It would have been easy for you to kind of like tell her what to do and like give her advice. So I eventually um, did side note. Like, I mean, I did eventually did give her some advice, but I think though, the fact that you started with the questions is so much more valuable. Like everybody mm-hmm. wants a very prescriptive, like when teaching a class as an example, or leading a conversation, like one of the things that is like nails on a chalkboard for me is like too prescriptive. I can't, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. And I know that that is what gets a better reception. That's what people want more of. But I'm, but I also feel like it's what we need less of. And we need more, we need more of the like, Hey, let's put some thought into this and let's ask some deeper questions first, because I don't like, maybe that's not the answer. Like maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe my prescription for how I overcame this one thing, say real estate investing in this, in this example is not the same way you should do it. But I don't really know that till I have more, till we like think through things more. Uh, And so um, well said. Yeah. I say that for the person listening who like when they show up to a class or an event, they're like, they're looking for the, just tell me what to do. I get it. I get that desire, but just know that there's something way more important than that. If you just do what you're told to do, like you're going to miss all of them. You're going to miss like 90% of the good stuff. Yeah. Oh, so well said. I, you know, to me, it's about learning how to think. And that's why I really do think in terms of frameworks and models, because, um, and, and I think that, you know, I teach and coach that way. Like if you ever, if you've ever heard me teach or coach, you know, I, I always tell people, you know, you never will, will ha- do this exactly how I do it, but maybe you can take my framework and, and turn that into your framework, you know, or, yeah. or take the framework and, and, you know, turn it into your business. Because I mean, uh, and I coach that way too, you know, I, no one should ever, ever take a prescriptive approach. I mean, very rarely, I mean, maybe in a medical setting. But from someone else, I, I think that's really well said. It's how I think too. Yeah, it's the um, it's the part about going to events that I dislike the most is all of the prescriptive. Here's how you do this, because um, yeah. it's I think it's too too heavily emphasized. But anyways. So. You know, it's funny you should say that because I go to events like like as head of industry, I'm traveling. I probably go to 20 or 25 events a year, real estate events a year, because that's my job. And I, I was talking to someone and they were they were criticizing a, a very, very well-known real estate event. And they're like, do you actually like, they said to me, like, do you actually like the content? And I was like, well, it's not about liking any content anywhere. My framework and my filter for what what I'm looking for is different from yours. And they were like, "What do you mean?" And I said, "Well, to me, I always want to know what's on the hearts and minds of my industry. I want to know what people are thinking. I want to know how they solve problems. I want to know like what's keeping them up at night. And that's what I learn when I see anybody on stage at any event. If I can happen to get some intel from that, that's going to help my personal business. It's a bonus." But I am never disappointed because however someone shows up on stage tells me what I need to know. And you're disappointed because you're looking for prescriptive 
advice. Whereas if you went to every event like I did and, and you just like learn, like, what is everybody thinking? What are they doing? Whether that's what you learn, I think from every real estate event, not so much what the thing is, although we get some of that too. That is so, so, so good. Um, speaking of events, I know Fred said something to you and for some reason I haven't yet, but I know we get to have you at NLA live this December yeah, I'll come. in, yeah, I'm in Scottsdale and I'm going to make you work too, because oh, I, I will I would, work. Okay. I would like to have you uh, there as part of the conversations that are, that are happening. And so awesome. for anybody that doesn't know VA yet, that wants to come to Scottsdale in December, nlalive.com. She'll be there along with I some other amazing people. And um, via, is there, if someone wanted to kind of either connect with you or at least just sort of learn about you, what's the best place for people to do that? Yeah. Um, I need to get better at my social media. I'm working on it, <laughs> but I would say um, Instagram I'm via via. So it's V I A V I J A. So via is spelled with a J, but the J is, you know, silent. So via via uh, on Instagram or via at place.com. I'm pretty easy. I mean, it's no one else. There's not a lot of vias. You're world. not hard to find. I'll, I'll send it's you your way. So <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for taking some time with me today to, to record this conversation and be a guest. And I know that this helped uh, a lot of people today and will help a lot more people in the future that listen to this. So thank you a ton for doing what you do. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. You're welcome. All right, guys. Uh, we'll see you next week. Have a good one. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you're looking for even more valuable content and resources to help you grow your business, then we invite you to join our community, Next Level Agents at eXp Realty. By joining us, you'll gain access to exclusive benefits like live trainings, events, masterminds, weekly Zooms, digital downloads, and so much more, all designed to help you grow your business. To learn more and become a part of our community, simply visit kevinandfred.com forward slash contact and get in touch with us today. Of course, if you're not quite ready to take the plunge and join our community, that's no problem at all. You can still access all of our great content for free right here on this podcast. And again, we thank you for listening. We look forward to continuing to bring you valuable insights and more advice in the future.